0: You're 3,000 feet above the trees in a hot air balloon. Your significant other gets down on one knee and pulls out a box containing a ring. You realize that this is the magic moment you've been looking forward to. Because there's never been a better time to test drive the 2019 CLA Coupe at your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer. With its sleek silhouette, unrivaled performance and technology, the CLA is your dream ride. Visit MBUSA.com slash CLA to learn more. Mercedes Benz, the best.
1: Yeah, yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear it. I know you in the trenches fighting me, but check it out. I'm gonna put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through it's all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved everything was gonna be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't run and come to a sleep of butter. Faith without work is dead. Read the Bible, you know what it says. Don't work, don't eat. Blackers don't get fed. Huh? Yeah, Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the palm looks back to same make fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the pictures five minutes and you about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. Huh? If you died for me I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This is deep. Huh? Some of y'all ain't saw nothing but you stunted trying to reach. Huh? But after him who's able to position your father by his glory, struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now I'm pointing sisters prophesized way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. I know. To the tribe, you. you say why you But your church say what would wow. Jesus do why you asking if he ain't trying to do what he's saying? Huh? He told you he was gonna have tribulations, but you thought he was playing. Huh? One minute you tell her how good God is, you can't nobody bitch to talk. The next minute you backfight so fast, I'm like you're moonwalking. Huh? Oh, yeah, I bitch it to myself, cause I ain't no better. Huh? It ain't like I've been following his every word, abandoned to the letter. So we us we gotta remember that. Regroup, stay on point. Hey, yeah, bow down, confess, repent, stay humble, let him anoint. Huh? It ain't easy as I thought it was. I'd be lying if I told you that. But it showed up getting better all the time. Trust me, that's the fact. Ain't never we going through it can't be heaven, God put that on this tongue. Like they say, you can shout now if you because the battle's already won. So, while you're going through the valley? Don't even show, you're going to be on top. the to hook line, no more that's you don't stop. I know we can make it, we can make it. I we oh. I can work
0: it. Yes, I can
2: yeah, welcome to the show. This is kind Player Play. I just want to take a second and give a little something to Big Boy upstairs. It is just my personal belief, you know, that he gave us this day and he makes it possible for to do what we do every other day. And hopefully that you're having a great day wherever you may be. Um, today we have a great show lined up for you today. We have this courageous uh, young lady, Jenny Mayer, is going to be joining us to uh, – Tell us her story and talk to us about her book and uh, her life journey. Let me see if she's in the building. Uh, Jenny, are you with us?
3: Yes, I'm right here.
2: Hello? Hello, hello. Yes, hello. Welcome to the show.
3: All right, thank you for having me.
2: Yes. Um, just give me a brief second, Jenny, so I can introduce you to our listeners and uh we we got a great lot of questions to ask you and you can tell us about everything that's going on in your life. Um, all right, today good. we have all right. Today we have Jenny Maher joining us. Uh Jenny has been featured on A B C and on numerous radio broadcasts across the nation sharing how she has overcome a lifetime of abuse and neglect, and she's on a mission to help others, which is a fantastic mission to be on. Having dealt with a lifetime of abuse and neglect, it was after a suicide attempt that caused her to be a quadriplegic. She knew God saved her for a reason, though she didn't know her fight to survive was just beginning. A veteran diagnosed with mental illness, her biggest fight was the treatment care At the VA hospital Her story is not to be taken lightly But it can help others to be aware of ways to help family, friends So they don't have to go through the same things So others would not have to feel alone Maybe even save a life Thank you again, Jenny, for joining us Thank you Um, So I I know that you're an author uh, As well as uh, other things I guess we can start out by can you, uh, you summarizing your book, Finding Faith in Darkness. <laughs>
3: it's kind of hard to summarize. Um, it basically starts with uh, growing up with, as a child with my mom bipolar and not in and out of foster homes when she got hospitalized, and there wasn't really much connection. There wasn't much affection or um, love in the atmosphere. So I basically uh, basically took care of myself and tried to take care of her to make things go smoothly without any screaming or yelling going on in the house. Basically I felt like I was walking on eggshells. So it was stressful growing up unknowing. And at 18 I was Kicked out of the house on my 18th birthday, and I was sent to live with a friend that I knew of at school. And because of that, I joined the Air Force, and I was in the Air Force for almost four years as a medical lab tech. And even there, uh, I had dealt with sexual and physical abuse in foster homes and in the military. So it was a struggle going, you know, I I ended up getting medically discharged, and I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. And my life just, I just never really had, I never really had any friends or any, I didn't know how to talk to people, how to connect with people, because I didn't have it growing up. So I didn't know how to really get, get close to people, so I always felt alone, and I, with the manic depression, i go through bouts of depression, and I didn't have a support system or anything, so it made it a lot harder, and up until the suicide attempt, I was in and out of hospitals, I was cutting on myself, and I, I had ulcers, I had migraines, I had nightmares, I mean, I was just a mess, and so, it was after I was in contact with my mom just because she was the only real family I had, and even though it wasn't a positive, it was something. And she she finally basically kicked me out and and didn't want didn't want anything to do with me. And when that happened, she sent a lot of hurtful emails to me. And at at that point, I just felt like. I was all alone. I had nobody, that nobody cared about me, that nobody cared if I was living or dying, that nobody would probably even show up for my funeral. I, I just felt like there was nobody in the world that would I mattered to. So I uh, attempted to take my life by overdosing. And um, I mean, it goes from there that I became a quadriplegic. And I mean, it Finding faith in darkness is, is exactly what what I did. I mean, I was in the darkest, darkest you can go, and uh, it took a while after I became a quadriplegic before, you know, I was able to find that light, you know, in God. But um, it was through that, through that, that <clears throat> it was through that that um, I became, I. Became myself. I found. I found myself. I found through through faith and through God that um, all the all the pain and all the suffering that I've been
1: treated with and
3: gone through through everywhere I've been. I mean, through my whole life up until then, I've been felt like a target was constantly on my back, and that there was nothing I could do to get away from people hurting me. And so, once I got connected with the church. And I got felt accepted. I finally felt like people cared about me and were accepting me. And I started attending church. I didn't know. I'd never been religious. I'd never gone to church. i never opened a Bible before that. So I didn't really know. And at 36, it was kind of embarrassing to learn or to ask questions. And, um, God thankfully, you know, brought a teacher, reverend teacher into the hospital where I was at, who kind of helped me out and talked me through it. And, um, I just watched on TV and learned, and then I would go to church and started going to Sunday school, and I started feeling the Holy Spirit come inside of me, and I just kept learning, and my faith just continued to grow, and I just felt stronger, and, and my my whole demeanor and the way I presented it on life was uh, the glass was half-full. And even when bad things continue to happen, I mean, I was in car accidents. I've been, you know, I still had problems with caregivers and wow. different things like that, but I always, you know, have trust and faith in the Lord that he's going to take care of me. And then I just leave it to him and I and leaving that burden in his hands and, and realizing that all that I've been through and all that I've done in my past that he's forgiven me and that I can basically live through him through Jesus Christ. And his faith is what gets me through and I trust in him.
2: So I, I know and I could understand why all your experiences that you just mentioned, would, um, would you consider that was the primarily motivation for you to write the book? Yes, because
3: I knew there were other people out there who were in situations that I was in, and, and I didn't look
1: at the source.
3: I mean, there's, it's also... You know, informative about what paralysis, and mental illness. And there wasn't really anything that I could understand. It wasn't,
0: kind of, it was really above my head.
3: And I wanted it to be uh, something that people could understand from somebody who's experienced, you know, the trials and tribulations and that have been able to work through it and, you know, come out on the bright side and not someone that has been a therapist who's been taught or a, a therapist, at, you know, a social worker or something that's gone to school. You know, it's somebody who's actually experienced and been through it and made it to show other people that there is hope and that there's a light in the, the tunnel.
2: Okay, uh, you have gone through, you know, a lot of these experiences personally. Why why do you think uh, people give up when facing hardships?
3: Sometimes it just gets overwhelming. I mean, some people... Some people, I mean, it depends on their life situation. You know, some people, they're, you know, held pacifier their whole life, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're in a situation where they're not getting their money, they're not getting, you know, this and that, and then, you know, they're not used to, they're being taken care of their whole life, and then all of a sudden they don't have anything, and they, you know, they break, or, you know, it could be. Something like me, you know, I, I just feel so alone and lost I, that I feel like there's no reason for me to be on this earth. That, you know, nobody would care if I was alive or dead. I'm not making making anything change. So, you know, I'm just like a piece of dirt. So who cares? You know, I mean, there's multiple reasons that people but give up. I, I, I mean, people I, give up so much.
2: I, I, I have a question because you just made a statement that. You felt like a piece of dirt and who cares? <laughs> and I guess my question is even a piece of dirt have a function. It has a reason for being.
0: Um, so
2: I, I don't, I guess I'm trying to understand why would you think that you even needed somebody else to care about you other than yourself? Because that well, wasn't just yeah.
3: not caring about you. It was the fact that I was I wasn't living I mean, I was existing and I mean I was in depression I was you know I I couldn't sit still I I was faced with migraines and you know uh, nightmares I was on medication to to get to sleep and I'd still have relentless migraines I was depressed constantly I didn't really want to eat or do anything. So I, I really I can't say I was living. I was just like a lump on a log. And when you, you don't have, I didn't have. When you, it's, it's a like I said, if you don't have the feeling, you don't know the feeling of depression and the feeling of being overwhelmed and, and lost and so lonely that you you don't feel like you need to. You should be living anymore Then it's not something that can be Explained, it's a feeling And it's that feeling that is just So overwhelming that your heart Is just just like, it's not there
2: Right Well, I'm sure we have some listeners Out there who definitely um, Relate uh, what was hardest for you, dealing with your paralysis or uh, your, your, your mental
0: illness?
3: I have to say, I mean, probably the, the, the mental aspect, just because, I mean, that's always going to be a part of you. It's always going to be affecting of you. I mean, even now, you know, my past, you know, things that I've not had in the past, not had that comfort or support, it affects me now. Even though, you know, I, I know I have God and he's there for me, it's that emotional is something that you can, you can grow and you can still you know, get stable and happy and love, but there will always be, you know, part of me that is is hurt. That will be affected in different situations. Rather, the
1: physical. I mean,
3: the physical is something that it's, it's a regular thing that it's, it doesn't change. You know, it'll affect me in different ways, but it's the same. It's the same disability that I have. It's not going to change today or tomorrow. You know, it'll affect the different ways I do things that day or whatever. But emotionally. I mean, that gets affected by the sun rising or not. I mean, when you have too many cloudy days, it affects you. It affects you, you know, by different people around you. It affects you from what you see in the news. It affects you by, you know, people that are around. So, I mean, emotionally, I think emotionally is a lot more harder to... Get, get used to or get adapted to than a physical disability.
2: And do you think people judge you differently when they find out that you have some physical disability?
3: No, you mean physical or emotional? Well, both. Well, I mean, I'm in a wheelchair, so they know I'm I'm physically So. I mean a lot of people when they when they when they see me because because I do a lot on my own and I try to do as much as I can myself. I'm not you know, condoned to a power chair where I have other people get things for me and do things for me and, and feed me and everything like that. I try to do as much as I can for myself. So I, I feel like I don't feel like I'm really disabled the way quadriplegic usually is. So, I mean, that doesn't, people are pretty much impressed usually when they see me. So it's more the um, emotional because I, I tend to um, hold back, try to like, not let people know that you're blocking bothering me. And um, sometimes that could, that can be not a lot of times that cannot be a good thing because you hold that in and then something happens small, and all of a sudden it's like you're, you're blubbering or whatever, you know. <laughs> versus, Let you know, if you talk about it, right? Yeah, it all comes out. So, versus, you know, talking about things when they're little so they don't build up into this huge wall that, you know, gets falling down all over you, it makes it a lot easier, but those are skills that, you know, I'm still learning, you know, they're not skills that I was, I was born, with. they weren't skills that I was raised to, I had to, you know, teach them and learn from them myself, but because, like I said, because I didn't have that bondage, because I didn't have that, you know, motherhood or or parent where they tuck you in or they give you a hug or kiss or anything. They tell you they love you, you know, or, or just people skills, you know, where I know how to talk about how I feel. So it was all in. So, you know, it's, it's still learning, but I've gotten a lot better. Oh,
2: fantastic. Uh, let me see. I think had some more questions here for you. How how did you feel? uh, Mm Does this change your perspective toward life? Um, Do you feel like it uh, made you become a little bit more focused? Mm -hmm. I mean, did it give you uh, 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 the will to live that you were lacking before?
3: Well, that didn't that didn't give me the will to live. It was God that gave me the will to live. But it it made gave me a different perspective of the ways I wish. I would have lived my life differently before my paralysis because being the paralysis that I'm being quadriplegic, I'm limit, I, have, I have limitations as far as, you know, going places and doing things and stuff like that. So it's it's bothered me with that because there, I wish I would have done a lot more um, with my life before now than, um, you know, it kind of brings me to a perspective of, you know, what I, can I, can I, what I had accomplished and what what I could have accomplished and what I'm capable of accomplishing now, and so that that gets to me every now and then. But I I just I realize that you know every there's a reason for everything. I just gotta accept that God's in control and you know it, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. I just gotta accept it and let him, let him work
2: into my life. Would you, I noticed uh, I read somewhere about you that uh, you were abused, and I know that was probably mentally and you mentioned sexually. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know that's a big thing going on in the world today. Um, you know, emotional abuse as well as sexual abuse. Can you speak a little bit on on how you handle that and what advice you can give to others?
3: When it was going on, I didn't I didn't handle it very well. Um, I I became a cutter to take to take over the pain that my my heart was feeling. So I caused physical pain on myself to get to avoid the emotional pain, and it worked for a time period until it wore off. But the emotional is uh, is is when you when you don't have people around you that are saying good things to you, or and they're, I mean, in like in the VA hospital, you know, I I knew that I couldn't, I, I was limited to when I'm in the bed, you know, I can't get up out of the bed and get myself something to drink, or when I get a, a sore. I can't dress it myself, or I can't go get someone, and having that limitation, it it makes it really hard because you're 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 not in control of what you can and can't do, and you're dependent on other people. And so if they if they right. don't want to take care of you, if they don't want to help you, or if they want to Yell at you, you know. You can't sit there and go someone and say they just got through yelling at me, and they'll just say no. So you just have to put up with it. So, I mean, emotionally, it's it's hard because if you, you don't. Because we had my dad died when I was four, so it was just my mom, my brother, and me. My brother left when I was twelve, so so it, so I basically took care of myself, took care of her. And that was it, and I, I didn't know what was life was like to be tucked in. I didn't know what life was like to, you know, have a boo-boo and go to your mom and your mom, you know, give you a hug and kiss it better. I didn't know any of that. So growing up, I didn't yeah. know what it was like to be loved and be taken care of by your mom. I took care of her. And so when it
2: she, so when She it had changed, a bipolar like, disorder as well, didn't she? Yes, yeah,
3: yes. Yeah. And so she did not, and she was abused when she was younger. So she didn't, she didn't. I don't think she knew how to love. And so her only way of of showing caring for us was by at at birthdays and holidays, she buy the presents. But that was about it. But it was the emotional that I feel is more important than you know physical. And not having any of that, I mean, even when I was older, even after I got paralyzed and she was came back into my life, I mean, there were times when I was going through things in the nursing home and I just asked her, can I talk to you? And she'd be like, no. And just to know that you can't talk to your mom doesn't care to talk to you. I mean, that's your mom, and that's all you have. I mean, if it was a stranger, it'd be something different, but that's your mom, you know. And so it was like, when your mom doesn't care about you or what you what you what are you experiencing, just you know, don't telling you don't say anything to get into trouble. But you know, not you know, we need to take care of this because they shouldn't be treating you badly. So when you don't have anyone on your side, it makes it that much harder because now you have to deal with these people treating you wrongly and I mean I could have died if I would have stayed there from the infections and from the sores. I mean, there's a couple times I almost did die, and but and they, they wouldn't even care. And to know that wow. there's people that are caregivers that work at a VA hospital that are caregivers that don't even care enough to take care of what your job is. I mean, what's the point of being a caregiver? You're not going to do anything but make it worse for the person.
2: I mean, I've been okay. in so many VA hospitals I kind of they think people, people that work in those schools. yeah, I think people that work in so, those capacities for uh, uh, long periods of time really become jaded and, and callous. So it seems like they forget, um, like you're saying, what their job and also is. Also, people think that it's an care. easy
3: job, and they think it's an easy. Some people think it's an easy job. They think it's like you see on TV, you know, sitting and walking with someone. Making a meal, playing games, you know, stuff like that. It's not work where you got to take care of someone. You got to get them up. You got to get them dressed. You got to get them taken care of. You got to tend to their needs and wants. And sometimes you have to deal with their attitudes. And people think it's an easy job, and it's not an easy job. Some people are great at it. They're, they're great caregivers. There's a lot of great caregivers out there that have changed my life around. That are loving and caring and will bend over backwards for you, but then there's those that just they don't they don't have it in them I and mean, they shouldn't be in that kind of a position. But I mean, there's right. still great caregivers out there. But it's just you know, it, it, unfortunately, those not so good ones tend to overgrow with the not with the great ones, and uh,
2: right. it's not. so. But yeah, that so I guess I mean, that. that, that so I guess that was leading into my, our our next question, and you kind of touched on it uh, with some of your horror stories with uh, different therapists. And I guess that was you touched on that briefly. Uh, what advice would you give our listeners if they run up on a therapist that was neglectful?
3: I mean, you got to. You know, I I re, I realize it's, it's it's sad, but sometimes. Talking to the supervisor got me in more trouble than than just saying anything, but I mean you got to tell your friends or your family member to to guide to help because without that there's and leaving i've been in situations where I was in a it was like a home family help where you live at the, at a person's home and People think that it's a person's home, so they're going to be treated right. It's better than a nursing home, and they actually were treated worse. And because these people had dementia and Alzheimer's, they couldn't defend themselves. And the families would leave, and they'd put on a great scope and everything when they, you know, show their house, make it look all nice for them, and tell them all these great things. You know, we're going out. We're going to go places. We're going to, you know, do things. And then, and then they're gone, and they don't check on them, you know, at at without making an appointment, you know, just checking without an appointment, a surprise visit, talking to the other people, other residents in the home, you know, looking around, looking under things. I mean, there's so many times I wanted to reach out to people's family, but I couldn't because then I was going to be treated badly, and you know, I learned that, as, you know, I was able to get out of it, but. But a lot of people have loved ones in in these uh, nursing homes, group homes, and, you know, that have dementia, Alzheimer's, or things like that, who can't speak up for themselves, and that's when the family ne- needs to do unscheduled visits, kind of drop-ins, to kind of see where they're, how they're being treated. You know, are they losing weight? You know, are they being, are they clean? You know stuff like that, are they getting their medication? And people don't realize that when they when they think these are supposed to be places that are taking care of them but they're not. Sometimes some of them are really bad.
2: Wow. That's terrible. Yeah.
4: It is. That's I mean I was even
3: accused like of I was even accused of um kicking over a a bucket that the lady had put my the urine in, in the catheter and, and the chair she hit and my foot kicked over the bucket and she yelled at me saying that she knew I could walk, she knew I was faking it and I kicked it over on purpose and started cussing me out and I'm like yeah I've been faking for all these years that I could really walk I just wanted to kick that over so I mean it's just amazing what people say or about the, you know to yell and scream and stuff I mean it's just it's insane. In
2: your in your book, did you speak on these type of uh, uh, atrocities? In your book, yes,
3: yeah, I speak. Of, I I speak about a lot more of this in detail. I mean, my I I don't want to share everything about my book, but I mean, it's finding faith in darkness. So, I mean, I talk about my childhood more detail. I talk about even you know, specific life experiences that I've gone through um, with the getting shot and about what I've overcome and, and finding being able to live independently after the therapist told me that just to get it out of my mind because it was I was driving myself crazy to have that desire to push myself to live independently. And I'm living in my own condominium by myself. So, I mean, I I went... But I didn't want to listen to what people said. And uh, a lot of therapists think that they give you adaptive equipment and everything to make it easier for you. And it actually ends up impeding you because it keeps you from using the muscles that you have limits of. And so there's a lot in my book that I talk about of and for, for physical, mental disabilities, for caregivers, for family members of... You know how to help them, or what they're going through, to understand what it's like that they just can't say for themselves to understand better. Not only the emotional, but the physical limitations. The, I explain what is quadriplegia and what exactly it means and the medical terminology. So I go in a lot, a lot of detail in my book about um, about faith and how I found God and how He changed my life and how He changed. Changed my entire life, and just, what, just I mean,
2: what was uh, what was the breakthrough moment uh, that occurred in your life um, that made you decide that you wanted to do more? Was that when you uh, found the church, yeah, or the another first, period? The, another it was time. the beginning.
3: It was the beginning when I found when I was in the church was the beginning because I was finally accepted and finally people were coming up to me saying it's nice to be for you to be here. I'm happy to see you here. And I didn't I was was not seeing any of that. And then it was I was open up. I had been open up to I believed there was a god. I didn't believe in god. And so I was open. So little things that happen like during really hard moments, uh, there was instances where um people would say something or do something, and it was kind of those moments like, hmm, you know what maybe God is watching out for me and then it and there was just little I was really open and i i the more I started learning and praying and talking to people, I got closer in my church and uh, but i was it was at church that I'd been going to church and just listening to the songs and being around people accepting me, that I finally felt felt the love that I've been desiring for so long, and it just it just kind of hit me, and I just felt the Holy Spirit hit me, and it was just like it was like my heart just warmed up from cold spell, and I just never
2: looked back. So tell us, um, what do you hope your readers will take away after they read your book?
3: I hope they I hope they learn something from it. I hope they can learn learn to, you know, that, that they can make their life better and, and find ways to reach out to help other people and that they, you know, I don't, I mean, it's not about finding a religion, but I, I would like, it would be nice if they would, Find God and, and find the faith that that I found, and to trust in Him to realize that He does love you and that He is caring for you and and He is there for you, even though you might be going through some really terrible, terrible events or times at a time, and you think that you know this life's not worth, and you know God, you know even though there's been catastrophes and killings and things, you know, God is still there. God is he's still there with you. It's just sometimes it takes a little bit to find that opening to reach out to him and, and having that faith. And we get tested. We don't realize it, but we get tested. And, I mean, Job got tested. And it's, you know, the Satan comes in and he, he tries to take us, take away us from, from God and, and being close to him and, and he, he's tough and he he does whatever he can to try to take us away from God. And we don't realize that we don't give Satan enough credit, but you know, we having faith and trusting people and and letting people know that, you know, it's okay to have a mental illness, have physical disability. You don't have to d- go through it alone. But but it's also what I didn't. What I realized was, most of my uh, school-aged years, I wanted so much for. I mean, I had teachers knew about my situation, and they they were available to talk to me. But I did not know how to just go to somebody and say, "I need to talk." I could not say those simple words, "I need to talk to you," because I felt that people were too busy. I didn't want to burden someone else with my problems. I didn't want to, you know, they had their own lives. They had things that I'd do. I didn't want to be a problem to them. And I had wished so many times that somebody would just come over to me and just sit with me, just watch TV with me. You know, didn't have to talk about anything particular. Just be there with me and know that, you know, you care about me. And I think a lot of people think that when somebody says who's going through depression or physical or mental disabilities, when they say, I want you to leave me alone, leave me alone, you're really, they're really not saying that. They're saying, leave me alone, but it's kind of like a test. It's confusing. It's a test to say, if I kick you out and you come back, then that shows that you really care about me. Because if I were to just say... I need you and you come, then you're coming because I'm asking you, not because you want it. Right. It's confusing, right. but it's, and that's what I did. And it wasn't just because I didn't want anyone to help me or want anyone to be around me. I mean, I really didn't want, I knew people that had lives and I didn't want to take their time up and stuff like that. So, I mean, people who have friends and family who are fighting something, you know, it's just going over to them and, you know, talking about a TV show, a movie, something like that, playing a card game. It doesn't have to be talking about the problems or talking about what the issues are. Sometimes you need to forget about that and talk about something else. But it's also getting out and getting out of the house and getting out and, you know, journaling or I paint and doing something to get your emotions out when you can't talk. So painting, you know, working out, writing, playing music, singing, you know, anything that can you can express yourself in a way that is healthy without, you know, hurting yourself. And get going out to a coffee shop, sitting and having coffee out, you know, just outside where it's sunny, sitting out in the sun for a while, or just, you know, just getting out of the house and just walking around. Sometimes that's all, you know, just a, a change in. In where you are can help so I hope that with my book with sharing the different skills that I've learned throughout my life that it will help other people and other families who are helping trying to help other people that they can maybe you know save them or just help them
2: right Jenny I think we have another caller that may want to join us let me let them in 702 you're on
4: Hi, I have a question um, for Jenny. I was wondering, the facility that you were in, did were you around a lot of people that had Alzheimer and dementia and older people? Um, I have a mom that's 93 years old, and we were considering putting her in a, a facility that would have 24-hour care for her. And my concern was how she would react being there. Um, I, I heard you when you said you have to check out the place to make sure that they they are taking care of your loved one. But uh, it was brought to my attention that since she's at the age of 93, that it might be difficult for her to enter a place uh, with different surroundings. So that's why I'm wondering, have you experienced any of that with with uh ever whatever facility that you were at, yeah. When I was at the the
3: home, home place that had the Alzheimer's and dementia patients, whenever the the client and they were usually older women, when when they came into a new place without anyone around, they usually would deplete. They usually would either not eat or they would not they wouldn't be using the bathroom like they usually were or they wouldn't okay, be, and you know, exactly cleaned up. Okay, that's exactly what I
4: heard.
3: Yeah, that, and, exactly and especially when they have so. their routines and their family around them usual, on a usual basis, it makes it a lot harder for them to understand that.
4: It makes it harder when the family's around more? No, it makes it community. when they do have them around and then they don't, it makes, them, oh, it, makes it a lot harder.
3: So especially, I mean, you've, you've heard about when, you know, husband and wives who have been married for 50, 60 years, and one of them dies and the other one just breaks down. You know, they have that. They're used to having that support around them, and then now they're putting in a place. And especially, I don't know what how progressed um, your mother is, but depending on the progression of it is, you know, if she's not capable of speaking or saying the things that she needs, then it, it makes it that much harder because you guys know what she needs by the way she acts and the way she looks and different things like that. A caregiver or an agency or someone, they're not going to be able to take the time to learn
4: that kind of stuff. Mhm. She's um, so, she's not that far yet. Um, she recognizes people, and she she does know how to ask for things. It's just that I see that she gets it a little... Uh, when she wants one thing, it's hard for her to express exactly what it is, and she may say it a little backwards. Um, but right, I do. Well, if you can go this, to the, the facility
3: and stay there, stay with them. Sometimes they usually let you stay with them for the first day or two, so that mm-hmm. you can, you can both get acclimated to it. And I mean, if it's a good facility, they should be able to work with you and her together. If they're not willing to work with you guys, don't waste your time. They should be. They should understand what it is, and then you know, she'll. There should be different schedules so she could have a routine, and different things going on that she might like. And and just you being around her for the first couple days or something until she gets used to it, then it'll probably make it a whole lot easier.
4: Right. I I have come to a decision that. Um, between me and my brother and, and my sisters, that we will not put her into uh, a facility because of um, we don't want her to get any worse, and and I know that it it won't get better at the age that she is, but I just right. like it to maintain, and and we just come to to find out that there's nobody that gives better love than being at home. No. Or, or with one no, of uh, home is children. always the best place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was bouncing back and forth in our minds about that. But you, yeah, a, I mean, everyone just, I, I yourself, speak with, you have your belongings, you have all your comfort
3: is right there at your house that you've had been there forever. So, I mean, it's, it's whenever I go in the hospital, I can't stand being in the hospital. I, mean, I just want to get back home where I have my stuff. You know, so mm-hmm. family feels better.
4: Mhm, I said earlier that I appreciate this show. um just listening to you express yourself about how you feel and uh and how you felt back then and how you've become stronger because I'm battling that now of trying to understand her feelings and being patient and I think that's yeah. a, a one very important factor to be patient. With somebody that that yeah. has a disability, and uh, try and understand them, and uh, that's what I pray for myself to just to be more patient yeah. with her. To understand.
0: And if you have
3: to take a break, you know, if you need to take a break, you know, get out. You need time for yourself too. You might, if you need to hire a caregiver to help you out, that's fine. You know, I know people who live at home, but they have a caregiver that sits with them for certain many hours out of the day so they can go off and do things by themselves to give themselves a break. So, I mean, yeah. that might work to have a caregiver I, I come thought to your about house.
4: That too, but in this situation it, it really wouldn't work. I mean, it would work somewhat, but she lives by herself. Um she she can get around, but that memory that that's going on with inside that brain. She forgets so much that I'm afraid that you know she might Try to cook something or boil some water and just forget about things like that. Um, it's just dangerous at, at, at her age to be left alone at all. So with the caregiver, Sorry. of course, that would be great help, but we are we have to uh, have 24-hour care for her now. And I was just listening, and, and you just touched on some things that just confirm that what the decision that I made is the right one. Thank okay. no,
2: you, thank you Thank you Thank you, thank you so very much I just have to say also that it's a whole lot of people That forget to turn off the water and stuff though Yeah
3: <laughs> People also hey, to realize wrong that they're them. not robots
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah So Jenny, what, what, what else do you have next in store for you?
3: I'm going to school right now full time so I'm trying to to get my degree in digital marketing and um, I hope to write some more and paint some more, hope to open up a a studio for my paintings that I have on Instagram and on my website my website's uh, www.themindbodyandspirit.net where I have a lot of my paintings and set that and just keep going day by living day by day and try not to live in the past but to keep moving forward. So
2: well, that's always fun. What
3: kind of what, busy.
2: What, what kind of paintings are you doing? Are
3: they, um, I do acrylic, people? but I do I have all different kinds of paintings. I do mostly I do I do I do abstract. I've done um, butterflies and trees and sunsets and and religious and I mean I have all kinds there. If you go to my website, you can you can see them. Mindbodyspirit.net.
2: And And you're saying that you have another uh, a book in the works that you you're writing something else.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm contemplating a couple different areas of writing, but I kind of have to put some things on hold because right now I'm going full-time in school, and uh, things take a little bit longer for me than uh, some regular people writing things out, so it takes me a little bit extra time, so I'm focusing on that right now and just keeping with my faith in God, trying to spread the word to help other people.
2: I think that's a, a, a valiant mission right there. And I think if more people on this planet of ours took a little bit more time to uh, reach out and help others, it, it would really change a lot um, quickly. Uh, that's one thing that. I mean, it's um, funny, I'm funny a lot of people
3: don't even know who their neighbors are. They've been living there for 10, 15 years, and they never don't even know their neighbor's name. Going out and saying hello, you know, how are you doing? Meeting your neighbor is, is just the beginning of, you know, reaching out to other people. Doesn't have to be something big and heroic or anything, you know, opening a door, greeting somebody with a hello, and, you know, it's just simple things that people think that they have to go way above and beyond, but it's just really simple things is all people need, just people let you know that when you when that person at the register seems to be stressing, you know, just talk to them like a human being. You know, are you okay? Are you having you? Do you, you need to talk? You know, people stress off of and you know, with the holidays coming, that's gonna be real stressful. But it's just talking to people and letting people know that you're there for them and that you're you're open to listen. It's it open to a lot of connections that we need to connect to each other. We need to love each other and accept each other as for who all our faults and issues that we have, but not in a in a negative way, in positive ways. And finding that way is important.
2: Well, hopefully we can continue to get the word out. And um, I'm, you know, a lot of times I I take things for granted, but I am grateful and thankful that I have this show where I could reach out and. You know, touch people like yourself, and right. and, and do my yeah. little bit to get to get the word out. You know, um, use mm-hmm. the platform in a positive way to to get the word out, and that's all we can exactly. do is try and hopefully somebody somewhere, you know, get the you know get the memo. You know, it's it's unfortunate that you know the times that we live in, people are so busy um, surviving. Mm-hmm. And in, in trying to survive um, Constantly You know they forget to live Right You know so when so when they get to Forget to live you know they forget The little small things like You're saying um, To to know your neighbors meet your neighbors Know their name or Or even take time to smell a rose if you would
3: Exactly it doesn't take much I mean you don't have to be an author You don't have to be an artist You don't have to be a radio broadcaster. You don't, have to, you don't have to do all that. You know, just saying hello to somebody and waving as a, instead of honking your horn, just giving a nice wave, playing the music and singing the song to get, get the vibes going. You know, it's just the little things that we, we take for granted that we need to point out to, not the violence and the hatred and the anger that we have amongst us and amongst each other within the world, you know, and a lot of, a lot of times people hold, hold in from the past so much. When you hold all that in from the past, you can't live on in your life for what you have. You have to forgive and be willing to let go and let go what that you've lost and just move on with what you have now so you can live
2: your life fully. so say they can't get rid of that old baggage, that old luggage, huh? Mm-hmm.
3: You know you can't carry that, all that luggage with you. It gets heavier and heavier and heavier. At some point you gotta let it go, or it's gonna pull you down. But forgiveness, forgiveness is a is a strong word. People don't don't think about it, but forgiveness is big. And if you can't forgive, if you can't forgive others, you can't forgive yourself. Who can you forgive?
2: Well, it's hard, Jenny, because like you said, it's easier said than done. I mean, how many times yeah. have you heard people say they forgive somebody for something, and and and, and then
3: they still hold a grudge. So,
2: so look, soon as they yeah, look, soon as they say something wrong or get into misunderstanding about something, that's the first thing they do. They go back. They pull it back up. They bring it up. The what path. they supposedly yeah. have forgiven. you <laughs> And right. they start that same mess all over again. You'd be like, wait a minute.
3: Yeah. Did
2: we just that's deal when, that's with that? When you, that's I thought when you that got to pray
3: over. about it. That's when you gotta pray about it and ask God to to help you to give you some guidance to let go of that baggage. I mean, I've done it. I've done it myself. I used to do the same thing. I had I to pray to God. I was like, God, please help me to let go. Let me forgive this person. It, you, you, prayer goes a long way. Prayer, He's there. He's listening. The Almighty, uh, and you pray and you have your heart in it, and He answers. And I don't know how many times I. I praise and you might not get the answer when you want it but you know that's that's not your choosing this is choosing and there's been so many instances that i've written in my book where i wanted it to go one direction and because it didn't go that direction i thought my life was over and then i find out years later that if it would have gone that direction i would have had my life would have been totally different for the worse. but it's something that i wouldn't know something god knew and i had to trust in him and I've learned that now I trust in him because I know he's not going to put me down. He's not going to lead me in the wrong direction. So I just know, I know he's got my back.
2: That's definitely a lesson learned, you know, and people talk about faith, yeah. but faith is the belief in that which is unseen. Um, we, we, mm-hmm. we talk about it, but, um, again, that, that's a, an exercise, and I guess for me, I know I'm a work in progress we're all a work Yeah, but every day. We're a work to be
0: God. <laughs> that's
2: true. That's true. But there's a yeah. lot of folks that are in a lot of folks that are in denial, and I do try to get yeah. up every day and try to be the best person that I could be, in spite of everything else. And I do try to purge my mind on a regular basis, you know, so I don't carry things around in my mind and that's where the That's where the journaling.
3: Yeah, that's where the journaling comes in. You know, write it down. You got to get it out somehow. You got to express it somehow. So that's when you do the journaling or writing or doing in song or in a painting or you know something. Talk to yourself or whatever. You know, you got it's got to come out somehow. But if it's not going to come out in a healthy way, it's going to come out in an unhealthy way. So that's why that's when it comes to you know you do your your working out or something to get that those feelings out. You know, if you can't talk to someone, journal or sing or make up a song or, you know, do something to to, to talk to the TV, you know, something to get it out of you.
2: Mm-mm. Last time I talked to the TV, it started talking back.
3: Uh-oh. No, you don't want that. Just yell at it. Why do you do that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, you got to get it out. You, know, you you can't harbor yeah. all that, or you harbor it, and you, you just, you won't be living. You'll be existing like I was, I and mean, that's not living. That's
2: just being there. Right. That's so true. Well, especially Jenny, we're down to the last parent, couple. I'm sorry. Go ahead and
3: finish. Especially if you're a parent that has children that going through tough times, that you know, divorce or something tough, and they think that, your children to hide it from your children it's better off because they don't know. Children always know, you know. These teenagers, they know. They, you know, and they think as a teenager, they're teenagers. Leave them alone. Let them, you know, go wild. They're they're doing that wild things to get your attention. And right. children know about everything. And and kids just want to be loved. And when your families are going through divorce and different things like that. They think that they're holding it together for the sake of the children, and actually, it's making it worse. I mean, I'm not for a divorce, but you know, gotta get some therapy and stuff in, or talk to each other. Right. You know, get the whole family in, as one. And I mean, people don't understand. It's families. I mean, we're still stuck to our phones with texts and no talking anymore. So, I mean, talk communication is the key to happiness. I say.
2: Right, and I agree. And and Jenny we're down to the last minute of the show And I want to thank you again I don't want to cut off on us But I want to thank you again for taking time To um, share your story with us And we're definitely going to hope Our listeners go out and pick up your book Finding Faith in Darkness And um, we want you to come back And join us in the near future You
3: can find it on Amazon Amazon, Barnes & Noble Or you can go to my website Mind body the mind body and, and You can find it there.
2: Alrighty. And thanks again for joining us, Jenny.
3: Thank you for taking the for having me on the show.
1: Take me all around the world Oh, I see the first admit that I've had some fun With some of the prettiest girls But temptation gets strong sometimes But if it lasts too long Boy, you always seem to call me at the right
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've been called to the CEO's office. You've been busting your hump all year. You think to yourself, I deserve this. Your boss slides a piece of paper across the table. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Because you know there's never been a better time to test drive the 2019 Mercedes-Benz GLA at your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer. That's right, the sleek SUV you've had your eye on at a truly surprising price. Visit mbusa.com slash
1: GLA to learn more. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing.